This is Cruise Radio. You hear me say this every week. Don't travel without trip insurance. Get a policy today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Coming up on this week's show, we'll get a review of Carnival Conquest. Sherry Kennedy here with Cruise News in just a couple of seconds. And don't forget about Cruise Radio News. It's our Cruise Radio Facebook group. We'd love to have you in there and kick around the cruise conversation with us. All right. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. I feel like this first story, we should queue up David Bowie's changes. Norwegian Cruise Line moved the final payment due date to 120 days prior to sailing, which is a yeah quite a ways out there. What do you have on this? Yep, it was recently announced that Norwegian Cruise Line will require guests to make final payment 120 days before their cruise begins. Previously, the final payment date had been at the 90-day point. No details were available when I checked as to when the new policy will go into effect or whether it will be implemented across all sailings. Norwegian is putting their own spin on this. And they're telling travel agents that this will lock in the customer early and agents will then get paid 30 days earlier. (laughs) You know, I just I'm having trouble with that one. But it's Norwegian's (laughs) idea that it will help travel agencies and their cash flow. Mm -hmm. Okay. go ahead. In January of 2016, Norwegian changed the final payment date for most week long voyages from 75 days to the current 90 days. And in comparison, Carnival Cruise Line's final payment date usually falls in the 60 to 90 day range, and that depends on the length of the sailing. Mm -hmm. And over at Royal Caribbean, their final payment date falls between 75 and 90 days, again, depending on the length of the voyage. And you know what what could be down the pike since cruise lines seem to follow Mm -hmm. each other's patterns? It will be interesting to see if other cruise lines follow Norwegian's example and change their final payment due dates too. 120 days, my goodness. Yeah, so you know, you've sold travel for years. Like what do you what do you think of this? I think Norwegians trying to put the onus on the travel agent mm-hmm. and I think uh, their customers are going to say, "Hmm, they're doing it for travel agents, not for us." That's that's just my gut feeling. I don't think it's a very positive way to um, to do it. Now, they could spin it and say well, you know, you're you're going to get, if you book early and then you like the final payment date to come in earlier, then you can start saving money. You can buy your shore excursions because you've gotten the, you know, your cruise paid for 120 days out and you can spend more on the ship with the, when you pre-book things. Or they could just be honest and say, hey, we're getting interest on your money sooner. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Well, Carnival, they're changing up their cruise ships in the Gulf. I mean, not big changes, kind of a little swip and a swap and uh, doing some shorter cruises, right? They are. They're going to have some shorter cruises. Carnival Cruise Line just announced that they're going to expand their short cruise options in New Orleans and Galveston, but it's going to take some ship shuffling to do it. So pay attention because there's going to be a cruise. Li- so pay attention because there's going to be a quiz later. <laughs> Carnival Dream will launch four- and five-day cruises to Mexico year-round from Galveston beginning May 23rd of 2019. Galveston's going to grow when Carnival Dream joins the Carnival Freedom and the Carnival Vista, which will reposition to Galveston in fall of 2018. So if you're not confused yet, also in May of 2019, the Carnival Glory will take over the New Orleans-based year-round seven-day schedule left by the Carnival Dream. 
Then there's one more four- and five-day cruise option. It's going to happen when the Carnival Valor kicks off new year-round cruises from New Orleans, also in May of 2019, and the Valor will be replacing the Carnival Triumph. And I couldn't repeat this again if I had to. Well, you know, I mean, I'm writing this down as you're saying it, and I, this, this leaves uh, Carnival Triumph. I guess that's going somewhere, but they haven't quite announced it yet. I couldn't figure it yeah. out, so I thought for sure you might know, but no. I guess they just, if you don't know, then it has not been announced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Disney Magic going to get an extensive makeover in 2018. What's she going to see? The Disney Magic is going into dry dock early next year, like you said. And when the ship emerges in March, there's going to be some redesigned areas and some new themes. The highlights will include an adults-only cafe, a transformed teen club, and a new family dining venue. And the new dining venue is called Rapunzel's Royal Table, and it will revolve around the story from Tangled, with characters and live entertainment. The redesigned teen retreat is called Vibe. I, I think everybody's got a vibe, mm-hmm. right, on some, some of the ships. And it's going to be a place for teens from 14 to 17. And this space is going to be have a, an urban loft feel to it. So they're kind of trying to get a little bit hip. Teens can enjoy a new coffee mm-hmm, and smoothie bar, <laughs> play video and virtual reality games, and they'll be able to participate in a DJ spin-off and movie making. Now, for adults, they'll be able to relax at the Cove Cafe. It's an adults-only retreat, and it's going to be redesigned with a like an upscale tropical style. Mm-hmm. They can have tea or coffee during the day and then wine or a cocktail and light bites will be offered in the evening. There will also be drink tastings at select times and, of course, for an additional fee. And just steps away from that, the Signals Bar will also be renovated with a similar tropical design. But then elsewhere around the Disney Magic, uh, other highlights are going to include Club Disney Junior in the Oceaneer Club for Kids and in the Senses for adults, there's a redesigned rainforest room with steam and hydrotherapy. Now, the enhancements will debut aboard the ship starting in March of 2018, so that's pretty soon, and it will be on sailings from Miami. These four- and five-night cruises will visit Key West, Nassau, and Disney's private island, Castaway Key. On May 14th, Disney Magic will then leave Miami and reposition to Europe for the summer season. Our last talking point here, Port Canaveral recently reached a major milestone. Yeah, this is a little quick tidbit of news. Port Canaveral over here on Florida's Space Coast just announced a new record for their cruise operations. Over 4.5 million cruise passengers came through the port in 2017 ahead of last year's numbers. And these total cruise guests included, you have to figure out where they're getting these numbers from, multi-day passengers, which would be your regular cruise passengers. Mm -hmm. But then there's the one-day cruise passengers, and those are the ones on the gambling boats. So that really bumps up the count for cruise passengers when it comes down to it. And Port Canaveral is the second busiest cruise port in the world and is considered a leading home port for the world's largest cruise lines. The port hosts Carnival, Disney, Norwegian, and Royal Caribbean, but several other cruise lines also include a day stop at Port Canaveral, and people can go to Disney, or they can go to the Kennedy Space Center, or they can go shopping at Merritt Island Mall if they want to. Always enjoy answering your listener questions. If you have one you'd like to ask, drop me an email, Doug at CruiseRadio.net, D-O-U-G at CruiseRadio.net. Today's question comes from Carl up in Detroit. He says, 
going to the Western Caribbean next summer on Royal Caribbean and trying to decide between a passport card and a passport book. Are there any advantages over one over the other? Well, Carl, there there is an advantage, but it's only in the price and maybe a little bit of convenience. The passport card, which is about the size of a driver's license, can be carried in your wallet, but it can only be used for land and sea border crossings, and it's only good for travel between the U.S. and Canada, Bermuda, Mexico, and the Caribbean. The passport card cannot be used for international air travel. However, the passport book, the, you know, the little blue one with all the pages, that one can be used for all international travel, whether it's by air, sea, or land. So just to say it one more time, the passport card is not valid for international air travel. So, okay, so you're going on Royal Caribbean, and it's a closed-loop sailing, which means it departs from and arrives back in the U.S. So in theory, yes, you can use a passport card. However, Think about if there's an emergency and you have to disembark at a foreign port. A passport card won't be accepted for international air travel. So if you have to be, God forbid, medevaced or someone has to have an emergency back home and you have to leave the ship early, without a passport book, it's really going to be tough to get back in the United States. Now, of course, you can make a few phone calls to the local U.S. Embassy and you know petition your cause, but you're losing valuable time. So just to be safe, I always recommend a passport book. Plus, you can get stamps in it when you do travel international. It does cost a bit more. For example, uh, a U.S. passport book is about $135 for an adult, while the passport card's only $55 for an adult. And, you know, these prices can change at any time, too. So that's, uh, that's where they are when I just researched it. But... Um, I recommend getting a book. You know, if there is an emergency, you're really going to be in trouble trying to get home as fast as possible. I recommend getting a book as well. Uh, it's also just fun to look at the stamps you can get, too, because, I mean, even if you are at a you know Western Caribbean island, you could still walk up to the customs window in some islands and ask to get your passport book stamped, and they'll do it for you. They will. I, I, I don't remember which one. Nassau but, will. Yeah, you're right. NASA will do it. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's half the fun of that's mm-hmm. three quarters of the fun of having the book is to look go, when you get home, look at all the stamps that you got on your trip. All right, we've been talking with Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com as always. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. Listen live at cruiseradio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to find 
fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Want more Cruise Radio? Find a library of over 400 episodes on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. Scott just returned from a four-night Bahamas cruise aboard Carnival Conquest out of Port Everglades, Florida, and Scott joins us on the line. Hey, Scott. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. So uh, why'd you want to take this four-nighter? You're up there in uh, St. Louis. That's kind of a long way to go just for a four-night cruise. It is, but every year I take a trip with my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go all different places around the country. And a few years ago, I had taken him on his first cruise on uh, NCL. And a few years had passed, and this year when I asked him where he wanted to go, he uh, suggested we take another cruise. Awesome. So thought uh, we'd, we'd go for a long weekend. So uh, you make your way from St. Louis down to Port Everglades. How was your embarkation out there? Embarkation was a breeze, uh, definitely probably the, the fastest we've ever had. Obviously, it's a slow time right now, and so we were the only ship in port that day. Mm-hmm. So no traffic getting in, and we did the faster to the fun option. So we were in, you know, once we checked in, maybe 10, 15 minutes, we were on the ship. Awesome. Okay, so you make your way on board. Is this your first carnival ship? This is my very first carnival cruise. Okay, what was your first impressions of uh, of Conquest when you walked on board? Overall, pretty positive. Most of our cruises in the past have been on Princess, so that's kind of my mm-hmm. benchmark for everything. But very nice. It, it seemed the atrium area was a little small and a little congested with everybody getting on board, so we didn't spend a lot of time there. We headed you know, directly to our cabin to get ready and then checked out the ship. What kind of cabin did you book and what did you think of it? Uh, we booked an interior, well, sort of an interior cabin. We booked what they called the porthole cabin. Mm-hmm. So it was priced like an interior, but we actually had the two small portholes. So we did have light coming in from the outside. For the value, uh, in terms of the price we paid, it, it was a great cabin. We had a couch, we had the windows, and uh, two very narrow beds, but uh, definitely very spacious for, an, uh, for what was effectively priced as an interior. What deck were you on? Deck one, all the way at the bottom. All right. Was that Riviera deck? Yes. Yeah, okay. Cool. Let's talk about the food then. You have a couple of dining options on there. You have, uh, well, let's start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have? Uh, we did the uh, what, their, ver- their version of the anytime dining. Mm-hmm. Okay. We, we actually only ate in the main dining room one night of the cruise. Okay, what'd you think of it? I, it wasn't bad. I would say some of the other cruise lines we've been on were, were a little bit better. And mostly in terms of variety, it, it seemed like there wasn't quite as many options to choose from uh, from night to night. But since we only ate there the one night, it's it's kind of hard for me to gauge uh, the the quality of the food. What what we had was was perfectly good. Mm-hmm. Um, just didn't seem quite the level of service that uh, I'm used to on some of the other cruise lines. Yeah, well, you're, I guess you're kind of taking a step down to going from Princess down to Carnival as well. True, yeah. I, and that's always been the thing in doing Princess. Carnival was something we never really considered, mm-hmm. you know, probably being a little cruise snob. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with, with some of the newer ships and the new amenities they've added, I definitely felt it was it was time to give them a, a try. Well, uh, on the Lido deck, you have Guy's Burger Joint, Blue Iguana Cantina, and the uh, Lido Deck Buffet. So uh, what do you think of uh, Deck 10 up there, or whatever it is, Deck 9? 
that was a big selling point when I was choosing which cruise to take and which ship to go on. I definitely wanted one that had guys and blue iguana and a lot of the newer amenities. And uh, I ate at both of those several times during the weekend. Very pleased with guys. Very pleased with blue iguana. Uh, blue iguana was especially good for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Nice uh, alternative option to the, the buffet. So def- definitely two big thumbs up for that. Uh, did you hit the barbecue place at all? Did not make it. No. I, we we made it up to the barbecue place while we were checking out the buffet, but actually never stopped to, to eat at all. Yeah, it has weird hours, too. It's like only open from like 12 to 2.30, I think. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hidden up there. You know, when we, we went into the buffet and we're walking around, I noticed the stairs going up and I was like, what? up there and so yeah. we wandered up there and discovered barbecue but we just on a four-day cruise you just don't have that much time yeah. so it, we didn't quite uh, guys and uh, blue iguana took probably the uh, slot that the barbecue would have been in otherwise well looking at the uh, entertainment over this four-night cruise how was that pretty good we did the uh, welcome show the first night which was your typical singing dancing and it was very entertaining we also did one of the shows, uh, I believe it was called Flick, movie theme music. It was actually pretty good, some, some definitely very good use of special effects. We did the comedy club a couple nights, and that was a blast. Definitely uh, wish we had had more time to do more of those shows, because that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Was the comedy club packed? It was pretty crowded both, yeah. most of the nights uh, that we were there. Yeah. Uh, how about music and uh, kind of the entertainment around the ship outside of the theater? How was that? It wasn't too bad. We we had tried to catch uh, one of the, there was a guitarist on board, and we never quite synced up. When they said they were playing, we must have caught them during a break or something, and so we, we didn't see as many of those, of those acts. Uh, they had one person playing right outside the uh, casino on the, on deck five, I believe that is. Yeah. And it was a little odd placement because you had the casino right there. You had all this traffic back and forth people moving, talking, and it was really not a great spot to hear somebody. And I kind of felt bad for the performer because they, they definitely were, you know, I don't know that anybody even noticed them. So that, that I thought that could have been done a little bit better in terms of, of where they place those people who are just kind of out and about. But uh, we, we listened to it for a little bit, but it, it just wasn't set up well acoustically. Yeah. What, did you, what do you think about the, uh, the public areas uh, on Carnival, like on Carnival Conquest? How was that laid out? Um, because I know you're used to Princess, so I'm just curious, like, from a first-timer's point of view. You know, once you've been on enough cruise ships, there's only so many ways you can lay things out. And so I thought it, it wasn't all that different. It felt a little more congested. Mm-hmm. Things like the, the atrium is fairly small and they have that large bar, semi-circular bar right there, which takes up quite a bit of space and it always felt a little bit tight. Same thing up like on the pool deck, that whole area was very, kind of felt a little claustrophobic to me. And maybe that's just because they've added so much stuff with mm-hmm. guys and, and blue iguana and the rum bar and, and all that, that it's taken up a lot of the space, but that just felt really constrained. But o- overall it wasn't bad. It was just, it was more, uh, uh, a it was more different and just getting used to the differences in terms of what you're used to took a little bit. Uh, how was the sea day for you? Sea day was great. You know, I'm, I'm happy just finding a spot that I can go sit and read and take a little nap. And, and that's really all I need to do. I know my dad did some swimming and, you know, we, we played a little bingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was good. Did you find the ship to be really congested during the sea day? I didn't actually think it was that bad. It, it, it could get fairly congested in the evenings, mm-hmm. but during the day it wasn't that bad. People seemed to kind of spread out and find their different activities or their little place they were going to hide out. So it, it didn't seem too bad. 
on this Fortnite sailing, you did Half Moon and Nassau. So talk to us about your thoughts of Half Moon. Half Moon K was another big selling point of this cruise. It's it's a private island we've never been to, and we've heard nothing but good things about it. And it lived up to expectations and, and actually probably far exceeded them. I mean, the sand on that beach is just that perfectly powdery, soft sand that you dream about. Yeah. And... The water there was perfectly clear. There were no rocks or anything in the swimming area. It was just that same soft sand. And you could walk all the way out to the end of the swimming area, which is quite a ways out. And the water, you know, was only about up to my neck. So you actually had a lot of space to, to, to be out there and you weren't all on top of each other. It, it was fantastic. I would have loved a cruise that was just at Half Moon Key yeah. every day. Would you put it up against uh, Princess K? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Princess. You know, we've, we've been there several times, but I would definitely give the nod to Half Moon because of that beach. Did you do the barbecue or anything on the island? Uh, we, we did have lunch, and I, I thought it was good. I thought it was fairly – most of the, the island barbecues are fairly similar in terms of the food, but uh, everything we had was, was, was very tasty. Cool. Well, I'm curious, well, on, with Conquest being there, kind of a bigger ship, uh, how was the tendering process back and forth? Uh, tendering went pretty well. I mean, they, they can obviously fit quite a few people on those boats that they use. And since we did the faster to the fun, we had uh, uh, priority on the tender. So for us, it was a breeze getting, getting over to the ship All right. or getting off. It was a breeze getting off the ship and, and coming back. Well, we stayed till not quite the very end, but near the tail end. Uh, so it wasn't too bad getting, getting back to the ship either. And what'd you do in Nassau? Nassau, we didn't really do too much. Been to Nassau a few times. It's not my favorite port. Nothing wrong with it. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's Nassau. So uh, actually, all we really did is we went on shore for a couple of hours and just kind of walked around the downtown area, looked through some of the shops, picked up a couple things, and it was super hot that whole weekend. And so by the time we got done with that, I was just drenched in sweat. And it was like, let's go back to the ship, shower, relax, and, you know, have some more food. Yeah, exactly. How was the the vibe when you were walking around Nassau as far as like the people trying to hustle you and all that? It wasn't too bad. I mean, you had a little bit, uh, but for the most part, we stayed in that main shopping area. So it was was pretty much your typical, you know, downtown. It it really wasn't too bad. I found if you don't kind of linger and pause and you just kind of move with purpose, Mm -hmm. they kind of, you know, they figure that out and they, they, they look for easier pickings. So you mentioned you were only off of this ship for a, a little bit and got back on the ship. Did you notice a lot of people that just like stayed on the ship? Uh, there were a fair number, I think, who did stay on board. You know, it, uh, with those short cruises, it, it seems like a lot of people kind of do the same cruises over and over again. And so if you do those, you know, short weekend Bahamas runs, you kind of get your fill of Nassau. Yeah. So it seemed like there were quite a few who kind of been there, done that. You mentioned you only had dinner in the main dining room one time. Were you doing like the buffet the other three nights? We ate at the buffet. We kind of did a combination. We would do buffet and pick up some things from the seafood shack. Oh, yeah. My dad was a really big fan of the seafood shack. So we we did that a couple of the nights where we just kind of mixed things together and, 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 you know, made our own little combination. And we also ate in the steakhouse one night. Oh, cool. So what did you think of the steakhouse? I thought the steakhouse was fantastic. We had an excellent, excellent service. The food was great. We were stuffed by the time we got done, but but very nice. I thought they did a very nice job on that. Uh, you mentioned the seafood shack. What was your favorite meal there? Oh, we did the combo, which had, you know, everything fried, but it was, you know, fish and shrimp and everything. We did the shrimp add-on. And it's interesting because you look at the prices 
And you're thinking, at least I was thinking, you know, your typical menu prices that you see in a restaurant on shore. And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, well, that costs this much. That's probably a small side. Well, it was actually a big bucket of fried shrimp right. in addition to the other things we had ordered. So it's very misleading, I thought, at the Seafood Shack. The portions are a lot larger than you, you might think you're getting. And we, we did the peel and eat shrimp as well. Um, we kind of pretty much tried almost everything off the menu uh, and enjoyed all of it. It was very, very good. You do the lobster roll? I did the lobster roll. Yeah, it's and, awesome. And, uh, you know, thumbs up. I loved it. Yeah, totally. All right, nice. Well, uh, I guess we'll get to disembarkation. How was that for you? Pretty smooth. We walked off with our luggage, so we didn't do the whole night before thing. You know, we got off the ship pretty quickly, actually quite a bit faster than I thought. Once we got into the area, though, where you had to wait for the customs, things kind of bogged down a bit there. Mm -hmm. And I had been anticipating using the mobile passport app to speed the process. But since they no longer collect the customs forms when you get off the ship, the mobile passport app really doesn't serve much of a purpose. And so we had to stand in line with everybody else. So they don't use the blue form anymore. So you just basically walk up to a customs agent. They show you like show them your passport or birth certificate, then you leave. Yeah, that's it. It's it's wow. a lot you know a lot smoother, a lot simpler than it used to be. Yeah, interesting. Do you have any first time tips for someone sailing conquest? Uh, I would definitely recommend the faster to the fun. If you're not you know one of the the levels of their loyalty program that get you some of those amenities, the having your cabin ready at the beginning, having the priority tender access. Those were all really great features. I'm a big fan when I get on the ship and it, it's not just conquest, but any ship is you know, as soon as I get in my cabin, I unpack, get everything situated so that all the work is done and then you can get out and, you know, enjoy your time on yeah. the ship. You mentioned you, you got faster to the fun, of course. And so you got priority tender. Was that only going to the island and not back? Correct. Only okay. two. coming back. It's just first come first serve. Yeah. Which wasn't too bad because everybody's kind of spaced out, whereas, you know, getting to the island, everybody kind of wants to go up at once. So having that uh, separate uh, line and tender was, was, was a big bonus. The other thing we did that I definitely recommend is uh, buy the water beforehand and have that in your cabin. Yeah, totally. The price they charge for the water is so ridiculously cheap, you know. Yeah, yeah it's like four bucks for a 12-pack yeah. maybe or <laughs> yeah, something like ex that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's way cheaper than anything I could buy anywhere else. So uh, that's actually a pretty good pretty good program they have. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? For me, definitely uh, Half Moon Key. Mm -hmm. I could have spent, you know, like I said, the whole cruise there. That was just fantastic. My wife's quite jealous because she's <laughs> been wanting to go there for so long. And uh, I got to go there without her, so we'll have to make that up to her later. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, in closing here, Scott, final thoughts of Carnival Conquest. I, I was very pleased. You know, it, it's like I said, my, my experience has been more princess and, and celebrity as well. And obviously, this is not that same experience. But I had a great time. It was priced really affordable. Uh, we got to go to Half Moon Key, which I didn't even realize before planning this cruise that Carnival uh, had access to that. I had thought at the time that was only Holland. And, mm. But now I know Carnival goes there, too. So I would definitely uh, do Carnival again. It, it wouldn't necessarily be my first choice, necessarily. But I had a good time. All right, Scott, thanks for being on the show, bud. No problem. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer, if you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.